With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Can let out man. Recorded live. That is pretty funny. Perfect just crying on Twitter. Somebody was trolling him. Good Lord. Who was trolling? Some, I don't know. He just made some tweet talking about, sorry, I bothered to respond to that dude. Just like people to see from time to time what people tweet. Who did that? Kirk Herbstreit. Oh. oh, okay. Herbie's a baby. Quit reading it. Irby was all for the Big Ten yesterday. He was he wasn't shying away from his allegiance. That was very unlike Kirk Herbstreit. Oh, you can say Big Ten, yeah. But. Yeah, he, I don't know, man. He even tries to stay away from his Big Ten allegiances. 
right. Ugh. A whole season of John Crook and Kurt Schilling on Sunday Night Baseball. How fun. Think they're going to talk about their greatness at all? Well, I know Schilling is, and Crook's just going to sound dumb the whole time. <laughs> Dave Pashos is at least tolerable to listen to call play-by-play, but man. I mean, I feel bad for Kurt Schilling and all what he's got to go through, but he's insufferable. And Crook's just a moron. All right. All right, let's go. Oh, you got the rundown? You good with that? No. I don't know what we were running down because you sent me that email. They were changing a bunch of stuff, and then I never got to yeah, I'm not saying it. It's okay. We'll figure it out. Um, no big deal. We're going. We're going. We're just going to finish with you. You hear? It's pretty much straight. It's pretty straight. Yeah, it's pretty much. Straight. So. I got um, things. Okay. This is with an Ohio bias, a podcast for real fans with D and Jake. Show thirty-seven. Tough love. Uh, I am D. Cleveland, born and raised. Buckeye, born and bred. And I'm Jake from Youngstown, the Columbus. It's a good year, and back. We're talking the sports you care about. Hey, our show 37, Tough Love. We're going to show some tough love for some of our favorite teams and situations. Of course, uh, we will be talking Liverpool FC and a quick Columbus crew update. Um, we will then talk about Jake, who was live in Arizona at a good year with the Cleveland Indians, and talk about uh, – the Indians this year and what we think is going to happen with the tribe. We'll be talking to Cleveland Cavaliers as they pursue a 50-win-plus season and have clinched themselves into the NBA playoffs. We will then talk all things Cleveland Browns, which means problems, problems, problems. And then, of course, we'll take a break, come back, talk CBJ with the streaking Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, we then go into the world of MMA. We'll be talking about the big fights coming up for Cleveland's own strong-style Braza members, Stipe Miocic and Jessica Evil Eye, and update you on some of the fights coming. Then we will talk about our brackets and how they got busted and how Wisconsin has made it back-to-back Final Fours and now finds themselves in the championship game and discuss some of the problems that the Ohio State basketball team has. Uh, and then we give a salute to the champions of the Ohio State Athletics. At, we give a salute to the champions that are the Ohio State Athletic Program, Ohio State Wrestling, Pistol team and synchronized swim. This is with an Ohio bias, a podcast for real fans of D and Jake. We will see you on the other side of the break. You left either football or wrestling out, one of the two, when you said that. Yeah, no. I'm, I'm probably gonna cut the whole thing. I didn't like the way it sounded. Right. We got a quick we got a quick Twitter love, and we want to give Twitter love to Brooks Halliday, Stormy Barton, huge CBJ, Buckeyes and Cavs and Browns fan, uh at Indians Views, uh Ben Belden three three oh. B-Building 330. At more Roofing One, we did the great interview. You can hear that at with an Ohio bias. Uh, he's talking about the Elite MMA Hall of Fame. Uh, at Rob underscore Gillen. At KGJ Golf. Kathy Jensen, great PGA member, great uh, great director and teacher of golf. Uh, at League Blue Nation, who we know they're sad right now after the loss of Wisconsin. At Mike at Mike. At Mike Cass, uh, Cass, at Mike Cass, at Mike Velas's Cass muscles, at T Torelli two thousand four, 
Gozips, at Joe Campo, at Blonde Dooney, and at Victor Van uh, Jason, and shout out to at Tribe Fans 2015. This is with, oh, our quick LFC update. I'm all off the page. Our Liverpool two-minute update. The Liverpool Football Club is in huge disarray after the 4-1 loss to Arsenal. They literally fell apart. Uh, Three goals given up within eight minutes a span. Uh, Right now, Liverpool once again finds itself with more questions than answers. Uh, The Columbus crew drop a game and now have started their season one and one. Uh, but folks are still enjoying it. We will be updating you more at withanohiobias.com. We will see you on the other side of the break. What's up with Pete? Anything new, any update, or are we still on for Tuesday? No, I haven't. I haven't. He said he – I'll I'll send him a message as soon as we get done with this, actually. Okay, because I was going to say, do you want to record a little Masters now, or do you want to just save it for Tuesday and record Masters regardless if he's there or not? We can do it. We can do it now at the end. We can throw that in. Okay. Okay, we could, yeah, that's cool. Perfect. All right, we're talking baseball. We're talking tribe. Uh, no tough love for the Indians because this is the best part of being an Indians fan when baseball returns. The Cleveland Indians season is about to open up, and Jake, you got a good look at how they make the meat of baseball out there in Goodyear, Arizona. Tell us about your adventures watching the tribe at spring training. I'll say it's good to have baseball back as we stand here, as I stand here and record this with you, uh, watching opening night baseball, Cubs and Cardinals, but they get any better than that from Wrigley Field. But uh, digressing and moving on, uh, the trip was awesome. Uh, First time ever at spring training, didn't know what to expect, uh, was just overwhelmed with how easy the access was, how uh, the faci- how good the facilities were. Um, you know, the Reds and the Indians share the same uh, ballpark in Goodyear, but uh, and facilities to an extent. It's not like the Indians and Reds players will be passing each other in the hallways during the day. They'll never see each other unless they're playing each other on the field in Goodyear. Uh, so that was a little different than what I had built up in my head. Uh, the Indians are on the north side of uh, the practice facility. They've got four ball fields, uh, two for the major leaguers, two for the minor leaguers. And then there's a separation. And then the Reds on the south side, same deal, four ball fields. Uh, First-class facilities, uh, the access is great for the fans. Uh, you get up close. It's amazing to see these guys, uh, you know, just taking this batting practice and you know, single to left, single to right, or single to center, single to right, then line drive to left, center, right, and, you know, put a bunt down. And then they hit a home run contest at the end. It's just amazing to see what they can do with their tools and their craft. Um, the one thing I was a little disappointed with was uh, there was really no access to see the pitchers. Um, I don't know if that was a circumstance of being so late in camp or if, that's something that that's uh, a constant during spring training. But, uh, yeah, I didn't get to see a lot of pitching, but got to see plenty of BP. Uh, got to see two good games. Um, so, the, I mean, it, overall the experience there uh, was, was A+. plus. Parking was very easy. The, the people uh, at the gates gave you the rundown uh, with little prodding, told you exactly what to do, how to get 
good spots, what time to be there, all that good stuff. So uh, a lot of fun. And uh, the big news that we have is the Dolans actually lent out a couple shekels to Corey Kluber and Cookie Carrasco. Corey Kluber with the New Deal, five years, $38.5 million. Uh, still a little bit than some of the other pitchers, but at least this guy is making some Cy Young award pitching style money, and I think that was a great move by the Indians. Um, we also saw uh, Danny Salazar move down the triple-A ball, and then, of course, we see Nick Swisher's going to start on the DL. Anything else you've seen out there, you know, as far as our rotation goes now, uh, with it being finalized, uh, how do you see the Indians, you know, faring this season? Well, yeah, real quick on the contracts. I mean, obviously, you've got to love locking up Kluger, or Kluber. Uh, got to love locking up Corey Kluber for uh, five years plus two team options for to make it a cool seven years, uh, if that's the case. So, uh, the Carrasco deal puzzled me a little bit. Um, I know he had a great second half of the year. I would have liked to see him do it a little bit longer. Uh, he doesn't have a good track record overall, and uh, plus a big injury in there. So it, we'll see if that works out. But, you know, it, and I tweeted it out today, it reminds me a lot of the John Hart, Hank Peters era where they brought in a lot of their own guys. See, uh, they went out and got Sandy Alomar with their one asset, Joe Carter, but locked him up and then grew it from within with uh, Manny Ramirez and Jim Tomey and such. Uh, so I, I, I like the idea. I like the thought process. So let's uh, see if we can't get Jan Gomes and a couple of these other bats locked up too. Um, as far as the players down there that I was watching, Kluber was impressive. I got to see him warm up. Uh, they uh, It was Kluber and Mass and Bumgarner in Scottsdale and got to see both pitchers uh, bullpen sessions before the games, how they stretched out, all that sort of stuff. And, when you get up close with Corey Kluber and see all four of his pitches, uh, the fastball is so noticeable because of how fast it gets on the catcher. Uh, and then the two breaking balls, the splitter just falls off the table, and the slider, uh, you could just see Young Go- Gomes reach for the slider every time. And then you could tell the changeup because it's about five miles per hour and doesn't have the hair on it that the fastball does. So really cool to see that. Um, Carlos Santana, after a slow start last year, uh, he impressed me. He was swinging the bat good in batting practice. Uh, had a couple hits. Uh, one guy that really, really looks good is Brandon Moss. I uh, got to talk to him for a minute and uh, got to take a picture with him and an autograph. And I'll tell you what, he's hit a couple home runs that uh, still haven't landed. So uh, look for big things. Hopefully he can stay healthy. Uh, Swisher did DH in Scottsdale, so he is hitting. Um, he's... He's how, noticed, look, how does how does how did Swisher look running and moving and just you know with after the knee surgeries? Yeah, I was gonna say that he uh, he had noticeable limps when he was like just shagging fly balls and just walking around. You could tell that his knees aren't aren't good. Uh, he did move around in the outfield when he had to when he had to run after a ball, um, but it was more just the the casual strides that I noticed limping. It wasn't exactly when you had to do athletic things. So there's going to be a constant. Uh, you're going to have to monitor him for the rest of his career. You're going to have to give him days off, you know, take care of it because it's going to be a, a constant nagging thing. But hopefully we can get some production from him. Like I said, he did DH in the game in Scottsdale, and he's going to start on the DL. But I do expect to see him here before May or so if he's already hitting now.
And then how did the, uh, we know the Indians were playing some pranks out there. We saw Jose Ramirez uh, play, got him with a little dude, where's my car? Yeah, absolutely. Mike Avilas actually was one of the guys that signed for me, and uh, I brought that up to him, and we had a good laugh with it. He loved it, uh, the fact that I brought it up. And his quote was, he'll know where to park next time. So uh, it, it was uh, definitely cool to interact with some of these guys. Uh, Jason Kipnis was a great guy. We talked a little bit about the Blackhawks' chances in the hockey playoffs. Uh, Sandy was was awesome. We were talking through the outfield fence. He was out there shagging balls with the catcher's mitt. He uh, later signed an autograph. We were talking a little bit about Robbie Alomar. His brother uh, was doing a special coaching gig for Team Canada. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's it just it's such a good experience to go down there. Lonnie Chisenhall was the nicest guy in the world. Uh, David Murphy was a really nice guy. Uh, and those are the guys that I got to meet. Um, I did get the manager. I got the Skip's autograph uh, during the game in uh, Scottsdale. No, I'm sorry. During the game in Goodyear, it was before the game, and he was just coming down the the line, and I happened to catch him. And he was done signing autographs, was going into the dugout, and stopped in the little uh, area next to the dugout to talk to a guy. And I was a couple rows back, and you know, there weren't a lot of people around, so I flipped. I asked him for an autograph, and he put his hands up, and I flipped him the ball, and he flipped it back, and that was really cool. I took one ball down there and uh, got everybody to sign on one ball. And the best part about it was uh, Tito. I didn't. He didn't have. I didn't have my pen. He had a pen in his hand from a little girl, and it was a blue sharpie. So his his signature stands out right in the middle of the ball in this blue sharpie while all the players around it are in this pen. So it's really cool. Nice keepsake. I mean, uh, it, it was for a baseball fan. There's nothing better. And we're talking baseball. You, 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 and a lot has been made about the renovations at Progressive Field. Uh, people are freaking out about what the the stadium will look like. Uh, we think it's already ruined because they changed it. I, you know, I mean, we we had our little special on that where we rant and raised about it. There's no need to get all upset again. Um, but you know, nobody was asking for this. But uh, you know, the pictures were released. I'm just hoping that at least it'll be done for opening day uh, come Friday when the Indians uh, need to play there. That's the most important thing. Can you actually play a baseball game? Unlike Wrigley Field, which we see is not finished, and you actually got to see as you stopped through Chicago on the way out there. Yeah, I did. Uh, And I'm surprised it's in such good shape. Uh, As we can see now, the the bleachers are completely closed uh, for this game. And uh, down left field line looks like a war zone. Uh, So... uh, it was not in good shape. They're working 24 hours around the clock. They got special permits to do that. Um, you know, the the winter was not kind to us here in Ohio or in Chicago. Uh, so I'm sure that didn't help uh, get these projects done in time. But uh, happy to say that it sounds like Progressive Field will be done. It'll be a little bit of a new look. It'll take some getting used to, you know, all the great memories at the Jake, I guess, kind of go with that ballpark. Now we start building our new ballparks memories, even though it's the same actual structure, it's uh, definitely going to have a different feel, a different look. I I saw a picture of a rendering with blue walls uh, that they changed the walls to blue. I'm glad they didn't do that. That would have been way different. Well, I'm just glad that you can have a martini now at the ballpark. There's nothing says baseball like, you know, shake and not stir. Well done, 007. (laughs) We're we're talking tribe. What's your prediction for the tribe this year as they move to the AL Central and the MLB grind of the season? 
Well, I mean, I, I, I think you got to look at two things. First, the Indians and their lineup, their their possibilities, and then the division, uh, which has been one of the strongest divisions in baseball, uh, with the Royals going to the World Series last year, the Tigers the year before that. Um, and, you know, the Tigers spent a lot of money, and the White Sox this year spent a lot of money. But that being said, the Tigers did lose Scherzer and Porcello, so they're going to be a little bit coming back to the pack. Victor Martinez and Cabrera, another year older. Uh, the Royals lost Shields, and are they going to be able to replicate that magic, uh, especially with Ned Yost making those calls? Um, we'll see. And then the White Sox, I mean, you spent a bunch of money on free agency, they look good on paper, but let's see what happens. Uh, the Indians right now are 84 and a half over under for wins this year in Las Vegas at the Hilton. Um, I'm going to say definitely over, and I think that they that this division is going to be real close. And if they can get to 87 wins, I think that might be enough to win this division with like three teams like all right there. Uh, the Twins I didn't mention. Uh, I I just don't see Paul Mueller being able to resurrect them this year. I yeah, I, I take the over as well. Uh, I think the Indians somehow, some way, get to 90 right on the nose, um, and I think that just would, you know, be an awesome, awesome thing. And uh, we'll we'll see them go into the playoffs. Hopefully, this time with a head of steam and not, uh, you know, backdoor their way into the wild card like last time. So, uh, looking forward to them definitely to get the production out of the lineup as far as hitting. I think the pitching, you know, it'll definitely be an adventure, but uh, feel good about the rotation with House Kluber. Carrasco, uh, oh, Trevor Bauer, and, of course, um, Zach Mack. Yeah, Zach Mack, the Mack attack, you know, and uh, Cody Allen, you know, coming out of that bully. Uh, I feel I feel real good about the pitching. It's just the hitting, and there's a welcome sign to hear you say how well Brandon, Brandon Moss looked out there. And uh, I'm, I'm expecting Lonnie Chisholm Hall now, if they have Moss in that lineup, uh, I'm expecting Lonnie Chisholm to be able to uh, not, you know, hit as hot as he did to start last year, but to be able to find some consistency through the, the whole season. I think that's a real key is just getting consistency out of guys like Lonnie Chisholm Hall and maybe uh, Jason Kipnis brings back the form that we were, we were uh, you know, accustomed to with the old dirtbag. Yeah, uh, I, I expect – I hope Lonnie has a big year offensively because one of the big things that I'm concerned about about this ball club is their defense, and he's already made six errors this spring. Uh, so we need to definitely tighten that up. And with Kipnis, his second, not a lot of range. Uh, and the uh, uh, first full season shortstop uh, makes me – you know, I, I, I want to see some, some good things come out of that. Um, and then, uh, like you said, the other thing, uh, the starting pitching, we're, we're relying on a lot of young arms. Uh, to do big things this year, and we got to get uh, a big step from both uh, both Bauer and Carrasco. Uh, so, but you know these things—they're—they're they're on schedule. That's the good news, and uh, I, I definitely love this offense and the look of this lineup. Uh, I think it's very versatile. So, um, you know, Tito does a great job, and uh, hopefully the defense holds up, and we get a little bit of pitching. And you know, Scott Atkinson's another year older and another year wiser. And uh, like you said, we've got uh, ABC always be closing coming out of the bullpen. I, I like our chances. All right. And we're definitely excited for baseball. We'll be talking tribe on every podcast now. We'll see you during the games on, on Indians Twitter. 
going back and forth. You know, we love them as always. Roll try. Now we titled this show "Tough Love" just because uh, it, it's time for the Cavs to uh, show love, some tough love. I think you know one of these situations where we see the Cleveland Cavs winning 50 games, everybody wants to talk about the problem that is Kevin Love, which I just don't actually see that as a problem, or I see it as a good problem to have. Uh, if, you, if you really want to label it. So um, I just think it's time for some tough love. He's got to figure out how to integrate himself into this Cavs team um, a little better, uh, maybe not so, you know, not being so frustrated and, frankly, honest in some of the interviews. But also, too, I think, you know, on offense, he's got to find a way to be aggressive. I, you know, you watch, I started watching it a little bit more closely because, you know, you just get in awe of the Cavs as you see Kyrie and LeBron zipping up and down the floor. But I started keying in on some moments with Kevin Love. And even when he's on the three-point line, he gets kicked the ball. Sometimes he pump takes or he shot takes. I finally figured out what the real situation. That's why the show's tough love. The speed of the game, Kevin Love's not caught up to it yet. Playing with Kyrie and LeBron and J.R. Smith, it's, that I think is the real key. And, I mean, this is, what once again, I said a good problem to have because the Cavs will then be able to still take it up to another level during the playoffs, and it'll be great to see once Kevin Love catches up to that speed. When I look at Kevin Love, I see a very confused player. I, I just look at him, and he just is unsure of himself. He doesn't know what to do on the court half the time. Uh, I mean, on defense, he does what he does. He's not a very good defender, but he rebounds. Uh, and he rebounds on offense when he's not par- parked out at the three-point line. And, and that's my problem with him is that he's settling. He's settling, and I don't know if it's out of uh, tentativeness and not sure, not wanting to screw up the flow or – not fitting in right, but he's given us nothing from the post. There, and part of that's on him, and part of that's on David Blatt, uh, and part of it's on learning and how to win here. But it just seems to me, and we've had this conversation before, that he's just so tentative and he looks lost. There were a couple of weeks there where he looked like he knew what he did, and, and then there was other parts where, you know, the back's bothering him, and he just isn't on the floor at the end, and LeBron would rather have – one big protecting the rim and him at the four with three shooters, then he would rather have Kevin Love out there as an option. Well, they had a great win against the Bulls, uh, you know, on Easter Sunday. And show 37, tough love, happy Easter, happy Passover to everyone out there. Enjoy the holiday with your family. Um, but they won the game against the Bulls. And LeBron, you know, they they got a great set that they're running now. It's no more stinky leg offense as uh, – uh, Tony Rizzo says on the uh, coin the turn with LeBron or Kyrie just one on four. They're actually running a pick and roll with Kyrie and LeBron, and then LeBron either rolls to the basket and then, like you said, kicks to a shooter. And in that Bulls game, they won the game, but one of the plays down the stretch, Kevin Love was playing in the fourth quarter, so we can put that to rest now. But he kicked it to Kevin Love, and Kevin Love hit a huge thirty. So you're seeing that's what it, and you're you're right. Like he's got to be more assertive and, and stuff like that. I just think that speed of the game, I think, is one of the things. I mean, when you're in Minnesota and your team's not playing for anything, guys aren't playing hard. So it's the intensity of these moments, the speed of the game, all those things. And I'm saying that the guy is capable of catching up to it. Don't, don't. I'm not just burying the dude. I think he's going to flip the switch, and I think it's just going to be awesome to see when he does and when he and when it clicks. It, they, I mean, if it's this year, as they make this championship run, it'll be great, even if it's down the road. 
uh, next season or something like that because I do believe Kevin Love will also sign and we can put that to rest. I think he's going to want to stay and, and embrace this challenge that is playing with the great players. Yeah, we do, we totally disagree on that. I don't see Kevin Love staying uh, outside of winning a championship. Um, I, I I hope I'm wrong, and I hope he has a great playoffs and he's the MVP of the finals and stays. But I just think that he doesn't – it feels like he doesn't fit in. Uh, and honestly, if I'm the Cavs, I'm looking at a guy that's already got a bad back. He already isn't a great fit for what we've got. He's playing tentative. If this doesn't change by the time the playoffs are over for us, I see no reason either side would want to be back in Cleveland. Well, I think I, I think he's given them so much, um, and I think it also will change too. The dynamic next season will change when you have Bears out there again because he will he's one of their offensive options. So. Uh, We don't have to worry about that right now. What we do have to worry about is how the Cavs are going to roll through these playoffs because they're rolling people. They won 18 straight at home. Um, You know, we're seeing a 50-win season, and, you know, they've clinched a playoff where we got to take a moment and celebrate that. They have clinched the number two seed in the NBA Eastern Conference. I love it when a plan comes together, as uh, Hannibal of the 18 would say, but uh, it's been a good ride. been bumpy, especially early on, but we said it from the beginning. None of us, neither one of us panicked. We've said, be patient. It's going to take time. You just can't replace eight guys on a roster and bring in a new superstar to play with a current superstar without a few growing pains, especially when the head coach never coached a game in the NBA. So for this team, after all the ridicule and being under the microscope and ESPN uh, hating on us, to be in this position and to be in second place against the uh, right behind a Hawks team that's just been playing way over their heads all year, um, and maybe not way over their heads, but over their heads, let's put it that way. Uh, it, I couldn't be more excited for our prospects going into these playoffs, especially in the Eastern Conference where it, outside of the Hawks and maybe the Bulls if Rose gets healthy and uh, Penguins fly, they have a shot. But uh, – Outside of that, I mean, and I like our chances against the Hawks without a go-to superstar. And that's the real key. The Hawks do play they play great basketball, but they don't have a go-to superstar, as you're saying, and I just don't see them getting uh, – they're going to get the Cavs their shot. And what the one thing with that winning streak at home has shown, the Cavs will be a force to be reckoned with when they play in Cleveland at the queue. So – I, I love the Cavs' chances of, you know, Kyrie blowing up one night in the playoffs, going for 50 maybe on the road like somewhere in Atlanta or in Chicago, and then they come back. You know you're going to win the games at home, so that's already two. That's one. You just got to win one more tough game somewhere. So, you know, uh, and within a series, either it's at home or on the road, and then you, you close out and you're moving on to the next round. So I really like the Cavs' chances moving forward. Uh, I will tell you this, something that I did not see coming, is the Boston Celtics as trying to make a push into the playoffs. Uh, we look at that bottom, that last slot in the East. You're looking at Brooklyn, Indiana, and the Boston Celtics with Ohio State's own Jared Sullinger making a push. He just came back with, uh, from a back injury. He's back playing. Indiana has just gotten Paul George back. They're making a push. And shout-out to the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, you know, Cavs got by him finally this time. Uh, Cavs did not get by them. And Brooke Lopez is playing lights out. Uh, uh, dropping 25 and 10 on everybody. What a job by Lionel Hollins down in Brooklyn, uh, getting Darren Williams and Brooke Lopez to play like uh, all-stars again. 
and even Joe Johnson playing well. They're getting contributions. They're a team that uh, is rolling in the right way and could definitely – the bottom of the Eastern Conference is very intriguing. You have great stories all around between Brooklyn and then, the, like you said, the Celtics and the job Brad Stevens is doing there uh, with the, the, the amount of roster change and flux that the Celtics have gone through this year to be in a position to make the playoffs is pretty incredible when you think of where they should be with their progress. And then you get Indiana, who coming off of last year and then losing Paul George to USA basketball injury and getting him back and then that shot in the arm, you know, that's uh, three pretty good storylines going down the stretch. And any one of them as an eighth seed, uh, I, I think is, you know, uh, you know, I don't know if they're going to have a shot at winning, but I think it's a good story and, something that you can keep an eye on to maybe one of those teams take a couple games as being, uh, you know, the hottest team maybe in basketball at the time. Oh, there's no question. The Cavs might see uh, the Brooklyn Nets in that first round of the playoffs. So that that definitely be interesting. I'll tell you the other thing I didn't see coming is how bad the Washington Wizards are. Uh, they, they have just uh, imploded, and uh, folks are not looking for big things, and they're really nobody understands with that roster what's happening with them. Um, but as we look to the Western Conference, uh, you know, I actually caught the game with Golden State playing the other night, and they oh, came I back and won that game against Phoenix. <laughs> uh, and, you know, what, what they're doing out there. There's only one thing that I'll say that Golden State has a problem with, um, and it's an easy fixable problem. That team's too emotional for my liking. Uh, you saw Steve Kerr get a technical in that game. Um, they overcame it, no question. They won the game, but I think that's the kind of thing that can lose you playoff games and Definitely, I mean, we saw it back in the day with those old, uh, the, the old Suns-Lakers series, uh, you know, uh, or the, the Kings-Lakers series where you get those technicals, you get these refs that make their imprint in the playoffs. You can't, you can't have that. Steve Kerr has 10 technicals this season. Draymond Green has eight technicals this season. The Golden State Warriors can't have that if they want to be a seriously title contenders. Yeah, that's something that I wasn't aware of, and it's something you got to keep an eye on and clean up, and probably it will tighten up when you talk playoffs. Refs have a lot, a lot longer fuse come playoff time, uh, generally. The one thing that impressed me with Golden State is how they get it done on both sides of the ball. They they play defense so good. We knew they could they could score, but their their defense is very underrated, and uh, a lot could be credit to Steve Kerr, Steve Kerr there. Um, you know, two losses at home this year. So it's going to be hard for any team to go in there and uh, win in the city. Uh, dubs, to me, are are the clear favorites. But that being said, the Western Conference is so deep. I mean, hell, you, you might have to play Russell Westbrook in the Thunder in the first round or Anthony Davis in the first round. And then you got the Spurs, and it goes on and on and on. But, uh, uh, you know, now that we're, we've seen – you know, 95% of the season uh, and what I've seen and how in meaningless games uh, these past three weeks, they continue to just blow teams out. Uh, it's pretty, pretty impressive. I want the Spurs in the finals against the Cavs. I want to exercise that demon um, and shout out to the Spurs who are the, literally the definition of consistency, 16 straight 50 win seasons. Um, so I want them to go ahead and take Golden State out, but Golden State does look unstoppable right now. They're just they're playing teams like video game. It's like 2K out there. Um, the matchup that I think that's interesting out west, where you'll see the Grizzlies play the Spurs in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, the Blazers Clippers should be exciting with Damian Lillard versus uh, Chris Paul, and we know what happened with Chris Paul and Chris Kamen the other night. They got into a little altercation after that uh, little bit of a foul there. 
Chris Paul was trying to prove something because after I got embarrassed by Steph Curry the night before. Uh, but I think the other good matchup is the gentleman that's running for uh, that's in the running for MVP, James Harden, the Houston Rockets going against the Dallas Mavericks in the first round of the playoffs. I think that's a matchup that definitely will be intriguing, and I I don't think the Rockets will be able to get by them because we've actually seen this movie as Cleveland Cavaliers fans when you got one guy who is so great, but everybody else stands around and watches. Uh, James Harden going one-on-four in the playoffs is not going to get it done for the Houston Rockets. No, I, and I think Houston just is a dumb team to me. They just, I, I just don't like their personnel. I don't like how they play together. I don't like how Mikhail runs offensive sets. I mean, that series, uh, you know, first to 120 is going to win both most of those games. Um, and, and Dallas, the other thing that they have going for him is Tyson Chandler. If he's healthy, he's a nightmare for Dwight Howard. Uh, and and I, I think for Houston to go anywhere, Dwight Howard's going to have to be a big contributor. Uh, in the playoffs. As far as the Grizz Spurs, that's the other side of the spectrum. I think first to 70 in those games will win the game. Uh, that's going to be a great, great series uh, with with big-time home court. The Spurs make me nervous uh, about – I'd love to see them in the championship against the Cavs. Obviously, that's the dream matchup. But they've just played so many freaking games in the last three seasons, and they're not – let's say they're a little long in the tooth, so – uh, yeah, they, they're crafty, and they're going to give everybody uh, – uh, if they get eliminated, it's going to take a, a lot. It'll be like the Undertaker rising up three times uh, before you can kill them. But uh, that that, game, that series could be it because the Grizzlies can defend, and uh, they create nightmare matchups everywhere against the Spurs. There's no question. And, I mean, we talked about uh, James Harden. Pretty much it's down to James Harden of the Rockets and Steph Curry at the Golden State Warriors for the NBA MVP, I've got to say that Steph Curry is my MVP. Your team's the best in the league. They've been the best wire to wire since the beginning of the season. Um, you know, Atlanta had the moniker for a little bit, but Golden State, all they do is win, all they do is shoot, and this guy, literally, all he does is uh, get on top ten for embarrassing people like Chris Paul. So I, I go with Steph Curry as my NBA MVP. And that's the absolute right answer. You know, the MVP, for as long as I've lived and watched it, and Charles Barkley said it, it's the best player on the best team, usually. I mean, that's 95% of MVPs I've ever seen. Um, and Steph Curry has just been incredible. The move he put on the point top the other night in the Clippers game, uh, Chris Paul, was. there's memes out there. Google uh, Chris Paul. Steph Curry memes or something. I don't know, but it, it's pretty impressive and it was funny. Uh, definitely check out the gif of it. But, uh, yeah, I got Steph Curry too. Uh, James Harden's been great, no doubt. Um, but they're, to me, an average team in the West. And then I think you got to give coach of the year to the coach of the Atlanta Hawks, Mike Boldenholzer. Uh, you know, the job he's done with that team to get them the number one, at one point number one in the league. Uh, even though Steve Curry would be a runner-up, but you know, we're not sending all the awards out to the Bay Area. Well, I, you know, I got a pretty good honorable mention in a guy that's never coached an NBA game before, and they wanted to fire a quarter of the way through the season with eight new guys on the roster, a new superstar, a bunch of uh, egos to manage, and, then, and a, you know, an owner that's not exactly a sit-back guy, let's say. So uh, coach of the year, you know, it might go to Steve Kerr or, uh, down to Atlanta, but David Blatt definitely deserves recognition for what he's been able to do with this team and get them in the position that they're at. 
Yeah, we know. I mean, I think there's no argument about who's the uh, who's who's the um, uh, executive, the NBA executives of the year. It's got to go to Griff David Griffin for the moves that he's made. Uh, it kind of followed a little bit of our blueprint, went off the marks a little bit, but he's got this team with the addition of Mozgov, uh, Kevin Love, J.R. Smith, and Amon Shumpert. This roster now is like we talked about the best that the Cavs have ever had, and they, I mean, they're they're realizing the dream that we all want. The championship run is in full effect, and, I mean, I'm just so damn excited, and I love watching these Cavs play basketball. Well, the thing he did best was he recognized the deficiencies. He filled the deficiencies, but he filled them with guys that complement each other. You know, J.R. Swisher is the perfect guy to play off of Kyrie and LeBron, and Mozart was exactly the guy we needed in front of the ring. You know, even the, the little move like Kendrick Perkins bringing in a playoff guy who's tough, who's – can give you eight minutes in a big game in a big moment, maybe. You know, and then the additions of the guys that LeBron brought in, the, the LeBron crew with Mike Miller and Joe, the variant. Uh, yeah, David Griffin's been great. Uh, you know, it, it would have been interesting, though, if it didn't go that way and they had to give it to Danny Ferry. Uh, that would have been an interesting ceremony. Yeah, considering that he uh, didn't want Lou Aldang on his team. But nevertheless, yes, it would have been interesting. We're excited for the Cavs playoff run. A couple games left in the season. Um, you know, get there, enjoy it while you can. You know those playoff tickets are going to be uh, through the roof. So I would suggest try to catch a Cavs game now uh, on the cheat. Um, but definitely be tuned in and enjoy these Cavaliers playing basketball. As always, go Cavs. I uh, love Cleveland. We move on to the guys doing the job for the brown and orange out in Berea, and I just don't know what the hell is going on with the Cleveland Browns at this point. I, I almost don't even want to talk about it because it gets me so upset. Um, let's get to some of the positives. Uh, the Cleveland Browns have signed Dwayne Bowe. Uh, That's a positive? Wait, 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 wait a second. That's a positive? That's a positive. Okay, well, let's just get to the, let's just get to the news. <laughs> uh, the, the Cleveland Browns have signed Dwayne Bowe. They signed Randy Stark to the Miami Dolphins. Um, and they got their penalty, which was a fine uh, for the Ray Farmer texting scandal. And they also have been trying to trade uh, their first-round picks uh, behind the scenes when they clearly are saying they have not been. And Jimmy Aslan looked into trying to swap teams, uh, play wife swap. He wanted to swap teams with the Tennessee Titans, uh, his native state. Wow, a lot going on there. Let me first say I can't stand Dwayne Bowe. I think he's an underachiever, and now that you gave him money, he's going to be even less of a under, uh, more of an underachiever, uh, if that's possible for coming from a team that caught zero touchdowns as a wide receiver team, zero. That means Dwayne Bowe not only didn't catch a touchdown, he didn't do anything to help anybody else catch a touchdown. So I, I have no idea why we thought this was going to be a good idea to bring this guy in, but. Uh, I'll digress on that. And Jimmy Haslam, you know, I, I I really at this point don't feel strongly either way. If he did it, I'd be okay with it. And if he didn't do it, I'd be okay with it, and I'll see it through. You know, he's done nothing to really overly impress me since he's been here, uh, except uh, get into one of the biggest scandals uh, of NFL history for an owner. Um, so I, I just let him go if he wants to go. I'll keep him if he wants to stay. Uh, and, and we'll see this thing through because we've had, God knows, we've had enough turnover on this team for uh, the next 20 decades. 
when we talk about turnover, we see the the uh, Miles Austin leaves to go sign with the Philadelphia Eagles, which I thought Miles Austin gave us as much as he could, considering he was hurt most of the year. And I wasn't mad. I mean, that guy caught he caught some big time footballs that were placed terribly in big time moments for Cleveland Browns last year. And I don't understand how you let that walk out of the door. I'll tell you what, I know one guy that's not happy, and that's number 19, the original number 19, Bernie Kozar, uh, who tweeted out his displeasure with Miles Austin for leaving us high and dry. But uh, I do think that while he was here uh, and on the field, he did give us everything he had. Um, but it would have been nice for him to, to stick it through uh, and, and continue to help this receiver's core and, and do the things he was brought here to do, basically. Well, but the things with Miles Austin, I don't know how much he's got left. Um, and to his credit, I mean, the Cleveland Browns don't – I mean, okay, they have Josh Dwayne Bowe Dwayne Bo or Miles Austin? Dwayne Bowe is Miles Austin. It's Miles Austin all day, but, I mean, right. who's throwing, who's throwing the ball? They, you don't even have a quarterback that matter last year. What I'm, well, saying, I'm saying is if I'm a receiver, the guy though, made, the I, guy I, made can I go to Philadelphia where they toss the ball around and we know that they're going to be throwing it left and right? Or do I stay in Cleveland where they got Josh McCown, a guy in rehab, and Thad Lewis on their uh, roster right now. Well, no, obviously that's that's the right answer, but what I'm talking about is money, dollars and cents. You overpay for Miles Austin rather than overpay for Dwayne Bow. I, I no, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. Um we we're looking at the Browns draft needs now. Uh they definitely need another pass rusher or a nose tackle because they're gonna let uh Taba Rubin uh go, um, which I don't I don't disagree with that decision, but uh we're talking two picks in the first round of 12 and 19. Danny Shelton, the nose tackle out of Washington, has been uh, one of the picks. And then they're looking at uh, the, the cover of the mock drafts have been taking an offensive lineman. Um, you know, I wouldn't be mad if they took an offensive lineman and a, a nose tackle. You can almost, like, literally close your, like, close your eyes and, like, pick one, and you should be okay. So that actually would be pretty good. But, you know, you I, and I think you might agree with me if you don't. I believe that they need offense. They need a receiver. Get one of these kids because this is literally – and this draft is actually chalk-packed. We'll do a full draft special, but this draft is chalk-packed with great receivers. The kid, Perriman, had a hell of a pro day down at Central Florida. The guy literally kept that team in critical games this season. I like him a lot. I think you could get him with that 19th pick, and you would have a kid that could, you could build for this team and start moving forward with an offensive weapon. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't disagree with that, and I really hope they do pick it on a, a wide receiver, uh, use one of those two picks on a wide receiver, because, you know, I mean, A, it's more intriguing and more interesting and fun, uh, and it, God knows it's something we've been lacking for many, many years. Um, what I actually see happening, though, is probably more of the safer route and them taking two defensive players. Uh, I think they need big help stopping the run, and they need help rushing the quarterback. And uh, This first round is loaded with those guys, and I think, like you said, the wide receiver position is uh, pretty stacked right now. But I do think in the, net, in the first four picks that two of those picks need to be on offense, whether that's wide receiver, offensive line, or quarterback. Uh, I think those are the three biggest needs for the Browns or tight on offense. End. Or tight end. Or, or tight end, yeah. We don't have a yeah. tight end. You're right. I forgot about tight end. But, yeah, the, in in those four picks, I think two of them need to be spent on offense for sure. And I agree with that. They've got to address the problems on offense. I, you know, you're not going to uh, distract me with new logos, so-called 
Uh, great job by the Cleveland Orchestra and the Cincinnati Bengals trolling the Cleveland Browns. I actually found both of those to be funny on April Fool's Day. But you, you, you're not going to distract me with new uniforms and stuff like that when you don't have anybody to throw the ball to. We need a tight end. We need another receiver, And we need guys that actually will catch the ball. Let's say that. Like, you know, we need size and we need speed. So get one of these guys and, uh, you know, like I said, with those sports for rounds, uh, you've got to address those needs. You've got to address those needs in the draft. And if this guy walks away again and then tries to tell us they're happy with what they got, I'm really probably going to be in the hospital at Cleveland Clinic with a busted blood vessel because I can't take it anymore. I just can't take it. And the one guy we talked about needing a pass rusher, uh, the one guy that disqualified himself, you cannot take Randy Gregory from Nebraska. Uh, I, I know it was one failed drug test, but it's the one failed drug test you can't possibly fail. Um, and to do that, yeah, you're, you're talking about Randy Gregory who failed his drug test at the NFL Combine. Yes, yes, that 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 drug test. You can't fail that drug test. If you fail that drug test, you're either a moron or you got a big problem. And either way, I don't want to. So if they take Randy Gregory, I'm I'm screaming and I'll be out there in front of Berea with a flag. And I think you agree with me. I'm fine with whatever they do at 12, but 19, I would really like to see whatever receivers left. And I think the one guy that we both were high on during the college football season, you know, we can always use a player that's strong and has a strong last name, and that's Jalen Strong of the Arizona State Sun Devils. Um, you know, forks up. I mean, I would love to see that kid in a Cleveland Browns unit. Yeah, and the name's escaping me too right now, but the, the Louisville wide receiver. Uh, uh, Parker? Monte Parker. Devontae Parker, yeah, he's another one that might be there that uh, I would definitely have some interest in. But uh, uh, anyways, the uh, draft's a little bit away, is away, and we're going to have full coverage of that. Uh, one last thing, and we, you brushed on it, but I want to give props to the NFL uh, for the penalty that they levied against the Browns for not penalizing us fans, for not taking a draft pick away from this team, for not making this team any worse than it already is. Uh, we're such long-suffering fans. And when those rumors came out, it was so disheartening. And for it to just be a, a fine for Ray Farmer and uh, a suspension of four games, which, you know, might help. Can we suspend him before the draft? Is there any way we could do that? Um, but uh, anyways, uh, props to Roger Goodell for once getting it right and uh, and going to the source for the for the suspension. And with that, we will, as always, go Browns. Dog Pound, we bark forever. Believe land. We will see you on the other side. We're coming back talking Columbus Blue Jackets winning streak and MMA. This is With an Ohio Bias, a podcast for real fans with D and Jake. Well, the Columbus Blue Jackets literally saved their best for last. I mean, we're talking a nine-game winning streak. I don't have a hat left. They're all on the ice at Nationwide Arena with Nick Foligno and Cam Atkinson. These hat tricks are going crazy. The the CBJ can't lose. Jake, tell me you're loving the way that the Columbus Blue Jackets are finishing this season. Oh, man. Uh, You know, it's it's a little bittersweet, actually, because, what we're seeing now is what we kind of expected for the whole season. Uh, you know, you were so we were just so bitten by the the injury bug. Uh, I, I know we have the most uh, players or uh, games missed per player per team than any team in the league uh, by a mile. 
and uh, to get everybody back, everybody going the same direction, and we're beating some good teams. It's not like we're beating the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, it's a great way to go into the off season and build on the season. Uh, definitely a feather in their cap, and you know, ten in a row, and let's keep it going until they tell us to stop. Exactly. Till they turn the lights out on the NHL season for the Columbus Blue Jackets, just win, baby, just win. Uh, we saw the return of James Wisniewski. The, the Columbus Blue Jackets went three and zero up in Canada. I mean, I, I literally am so excited for this happy and excited for this hockey team just because of the fact. Sometimes you got to prove what everybody thought, you know. Or you know, like you, like you said, they we thought this was going to happen this season. They're winning at the end, so they're showing the heart and the determination. And this is a lot of times where a lot of guys check out in the NHL. You know, their team's not going to the playoffs, so what are we playing for? They're just trying not to get injured and get to the offseason as fast as possible, but not with these Columbus Blue Jackets. They're showing the fortitude, and they're showing, the, they're showing that they can be winners, and that should carry over to next season. Yeah, absolutely. Guys are more worried about uh, not getting injured so they can play golf next week than they are about winning hockey games. And that's, uh, you know, the direct correlation to the front office and the coaching staff of this team. You know, Todd Richards, there was a lot of questions asked whether he'd be back at points during this season. Uh, I definitely think he'll be back. I think he might have a little bit of a short leash if we get off to a bad start and we're healthy again. But I think it's from top to bottom, from John Davidson to uh, Yarmo Kekalayan to uh, the coaching staff uh, to the integrity of this team. Uh, in years past, this, this club and organization was – was known as a country club uh, type team where guys came to get paid and to sit back and relax. And, uh, you know, this, this win streak at the end of the year uh, and the effort that these guys have been giving night in, night out, not only, it's not like we've been cruising by these teams, you know, they're, they're coming back from two goal deficits late. Uh, they're doing it all winning in shootouts. Johansson's been great in the shootouts. He's an assassin. Um, and, and Bobrovsky obviously doing his thing. Uh, so a lot of good things to look forward to next year. Uh, it, it reminds me a lot of the Tampa Bay Lightning this year who are contending for the President's Cup as the number one team in the NHL, best point, most points. Uh, they were very injured last year, didn't make the playoffs, but came back here, tinkered a little bit, and uh, now are where they're at and headed to the Stanley Cup playoffs, and they were healthy all year was the key. So uh, lots of good things to look forward to with the Blue Jackets. And uh, who knows, maybe they had a player or two, they're going to definitely be in the lottery, and this is one of the deepest drafts in a long time in the NHL. So uh, all's good uh, down here in Columbus. We move on, and we're going to talk MMA. But we had a little, as they say in the uh, TV show business, crossover, because Ronda Rousey invaded the WrestleMania and stole the show with a nice judo hip toss of Triple H. Uh, she jumped in the ring with The Rock and uh, – Jake, I know you love WrestleMania. I think this was a new iconic WrestleMania moment to see the UFC Phantomweight champion undefeated Ronda Rousey uh, in the square circle. Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't get to see WrestleMania as I was out west, but uh, definitely read all about it and got to see a lot of the highlights. And, uh, you know, Ronda Rousey tweeted out, I believe, for some sort of media form that uh, she's just getting started in WrestleMania or in uh, professional wrestling with the WWE. And I know the WWE would love nothing more than to set up Stephanie McMahon versus Ronda Rousey uh, at next year's WrestleMania. Um, also, you had just uh, some of the cooler moments of WrestleMania uh, during the championship match with Brock Lesnar. Of course, 
Seth Rollins turned it into a three-way match with Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar and took advantage of those two uh, beating the crap out of each other before he came out and curved stomped Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns and ended up taking the belt from Brock Lesnar without even pinning Brock Lesnar, which was pretty controversial. And then Monday, Brock Lesnar got suspended for beating up everybody in the arena, basically, out of outrage for that, uh, which was really cool. Uh, I, I like the angle. I like the fact that they use Brock very sparingly. He's a pretty good entertainer, and he sells it. He sells the violence. He sells the, the, the just being the beast incarnate, which is pretty cool. And Paul Heyman's just the best mouthpiece for anybody uh, ever in, in pro wrestling. So that was really cool. And then you had Sting versus Triple H where uh, Degeneration X came out with Shawn Michaels and uh, the Road Dog and Billy Gunn and uh, X-Pac. And then uh, also to defend against the Degeneration X, NWO came out with uh, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and Hulk Hogan to fit in front DX. It was kind of cool. It was like, WCW finally faces off with uh, WWE again. Uh, so it was kind of a nostalgia thing, and you had The Rock there. It was just all in all, you, know, you had 75,000 people outdoors in San Jose. Uh, it's it's the Super Bowl of wrestling, and uh, uh, the WWE finds a way every year to, to outdo itself, it seems. Yeah, that field looked better than it did for any San Francisco 49ers game at Levi's, uh, Levi's Stadium during WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, first, first, first sellout. First sellout in Levi's Stadium, I think. <laughs> hey, that is correct. Uh, <laughs> let, let's, get, let's get to a couple other things that came out of WrestleMania. We know now Brock Lesnar is not coming back to uh, UFC. He signed an exclusive contract with the WWE. But another thing that came out of WrestleMania, AJ Lee is retiring. What do you think of that? Uh, we see now CM Punk, the way he left, and he's over in the UFC. AJ Lee is leaving, and she was pretty much uh, self-made, almost like Daniel Bryan. Uh, and for her to walk away now at the height of her popularity is a little strange. Yeah, uh, almost passing the torch to a, uh, to Paige, the, the new hot WWE uh, diva. Um, I've I've heard some rumblings and some rumors of the reason why that might be and uh, is a possibility that AJ may be planning a family here in the very near future, uh, and that might have a lot to do with it. Either way, she's been great with uh, what she does. Uh, one of the more interesting uh, divas and really carried that division for a few years. Uh, you know, Obviously, her uh, marriage to CM Punk now uh, of, of uh, the UFC, um, you know, they're the, the the celebrity couple of the WWE. They're the macho man, uh, Elizabeth, of this generation. And, uh, you know, they're both going to be missed. They were both really good uh, performers and athletes uh, in WWE. And uh, good luck to them both. And uh, we'll, we'll miss both AJ and definitely CM Punk in wrestling. We got some more huge uh, MMA fight news. Uh, TJ Dillashaw is now out of the rematch that we've been waiting now twice over uh, with Hanan Barrao. Uh, he has a rib injury, so the uh, championship uh, belt holder of Team Alpha Male will not be at UFC 186. Uh, they have now put Randa Marcos versus Aileen Daly in that spot in Montreal. Um, but one of the cooler things that's happening is uh, just the Evil Eye will now face Misha Tate. So the Evil Eye gets a cupcake. And we see Ronda Rousey will fight Faithless Correa in Brazil. So uh, that will be a huge, huge matchup, kind of something that we talked about on with an Ohio bias, but it hit the cutting room floor, so you guys never heard that one. 
Uh, the best thing is coming up is uh, Marco Kokrop is making his return back to the UFC. He will be fighting Gabriel Gonzaga, but the, the real connection is that Stipe Miocic is out in Croatia and has been training with Marco Kokrop during his fight camp, and I just think that's pretty awesome. You'll see Kokrop Gonzaga at UFC uh, fight night in Poland coming up here this week. Uh, loving everything going on with the MMA. Please check out the interview we did with Brian Moore, the Ohio uh, leg of the Legends of MMA Tour is coming through Southeast Ohio. All the details are at with OhioBias.com. MMA, hell yeah, Team MMA for life. Well, Jake, we've moved on to April. The championship match is set. The championship game is set. The Wisconsin Badgers will face the Duke Blue Devils. I've seen your bracket. I know you've seen mine. We might as well use them for uh, to start a fire because they're worth Yeah, I, I wrote baseball over my bracket about two weeks ago. Uh, yeah, it didn't work out as well as I thought. But I did have Duke uh, in the final four or in the finals. Uh, I actually have Duke winning it, but uh, I love this Wisconsin team. <laughs> this team's so much fun and has the, uh, the best mix of players. And, you know, how can you not pull for Jim Jackson's kid? And after what happened last year, uh, you know, I'm rooting for Wisconsin. It doesn't matter what my, what my brackets say anymore uh, on Wisconsin. Yeah, I definitely would like to see Wisconsin win it. Um, you know, I, I, I got all the utmost respect. You know, we, we tease Bo Ryan a lot um, with the deal with it and whatnot. But, you know, that's the program that he's built up there in Wisconsin. You can't, you know, they play their own style. They play the way they like to play. And uh, he's always done it the right way. And uh, they play good basketball, man. You, you might not like that style or kind of like the Spurs or college basketball. You might not like their style, but they get it done. They get wins, and uh, I would love to see some winning and any type of uh, attitude like that trickle into uh, Columbus when it comes to the Ohio State basketball team because I am disgusted with that Mata and the Ohio State Buckeyes. I don't understand how Wisconsin goes back to back Final Fours. Michigan State, you know, makes it to the Final Four, and Ohio State Buckeyes have another early exit. And, you know, everybody just, you know, still pats that model on the back. I said it at the beginning of the season, you know, prior to the season, I'm going to say it again. This guy, Gene Smith and Thad Mata have to get off their asses and take some teams that can actually play out of the top 25 and get them on Ohio State's schedule. It makes you better, cut some march, and this guy's got to recruit some bigs and, you know, start getting some player development. I don't want to hear about assistance leaving, things like that. This guy's got to get a better staff or step away because I don't know if the physical limitations are even letting Thad Mata coach basketball the way he needs. Well, um, as far as the schedule goes, that's going to be all taken care of next year. Uh, I looked at the schedule, and we we definitely uh, have some games, definitely with Kentucky on the schedule uh, in the ACC Challenge, and uh, a couple other games are escaping me now, but it's definitely a loaded schedule for next year. I totally agree with you on player development. Uh, it's just not there. You know, our, our contributions have been coming from freshmen outside of Aaron Kraft, really. Uh, everybody else, even Kraft uh, offensively, kind of regressed. And, and I don't know if that's a product of what he's running or uh, how he's coaching, but it just, uh, in, in between that and, and especially it's noticeable with the bigs. And, and I don't know what's going on. If you need to get somebody in there that's 
that's worked with pigs before, but it, it's it's definitely a problem, uh, and it's been a problem long term. I mean, we've always had soft big men. Even Greg Oden, the, maybe the hardest big man, was kind of soft. The the last one that I can remember that really uh, was uh, someone to fear was Ken Johnson. Uh, you know, Costa Kufis was soft. B.J. Mullins was soft. So yeah, TD was strong, even though he was an undersized big man. But Terrence Giles was, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, shout out Boardman High School Spartans, uh, TD, Terrence Giles, um, class of 95, giving away my age, but that's all right. Um, so, but that, that that's what I got the bigger problem with is it's the player development and, and what I'm seeing uh, from – from Wisconsin and being able to have a player like Frank Cam- Frank Kaminsky, who you know didn't start but maybe two games his first two seasons to now being Player of the Year, yeah, that's the problem. That's the problem between Ohio State, Michigan State, and Wisconsin. It's that Bo Ryan knows how to get these guys and in their fourth year be Frank Kaminsky and and not uh, and not Amir Williams. You know, Izzo, Izzo knows how to do, how to win and. and in March and get the most out of his guy. Uh, Thad Mata, it seems like he's the guy with the most talent usually and, and gets the least out of the talent and usually in the play and in, in the postseason finds a way to, to choke away a game that he has, that they have no business losing. And shout out to, you know, I love Bo Ryan cause he does one thing that, you know, coaches and it's so old school, but nobody really does. You make a, a turnover on Wisconsin. doesn't matter who you are who you are, if you're Frank Kaminsky or the last guy on the bench, you're coming out of the game immediately. You know, to have that mental weight on a kid, yeah, it's bad at the beginning of the season, but when you come to March, they go through a whole half like they did in the, in, in the, in the second-round matchup where they don't commit a turnover in the second half and allow them to come back. I mean, that's what you, you know, against Arizona. I mean, that's how you win games in March. You know, so it, it comes, you know, I can't point to one thing. You talk about player development. Shannon Scott and Aaron Kraft couldn't find a jump shot if they needed one to save their lives. You know, I mean, so, you know, what is going on at the Ohio State University? You know, um, Gary Mark, uh, which is uh, Wichita State, Greg Marshall, the coach of Wichita State, turns down the Alabama job. But we see Alabama go out and get Avery Johnson. They're paying him $4 million. And one guy that I wish the Ohio State Buckeyes could have hired, Saka Smart leaves VCU to go to Texas. College basketball is about to turn up all the way around the country. And I'll tell you like this, Kentucky's going to have a real hard problem because the way those players, you had the whole thing of, you know, what Andrew Harrison said on that stage, but they were so upset. And that was really the threat that they were so upset that they lost again. This is back-to-back years they've lost getting to the Final Four. Those kids are gone this year. Calipari can't keep those kids there. You might see as many as eight of the Kentucky players leave. That Kentucky team might not be the same. I don't care who's coming in there next season. Yeah, I mean, there there are definitely some years where Cal has had to reload and hasn't had the same team. But, I mean, he's obviously going to get – he's got the track record of getting those guys in the NBA. Uh, you know, 17, 18-year-old high school basketball players being recruited to see eight kids go to the NBA. And, uh, yeah, sign me up for that. So, uh, I think Cal will be just fine, uh, but I can't say enough. Bo Ryan, uh, 
to come from the humble beginnings. If you don't know his backstory, go look it up. I'm not going to get into it, but he's won three Division three national titles. Uh, four. In the jo- four, I'm sorry, four, I stand corrected. Um, and, and the job that he's done at Wisconsin, who, you know, let's be honest, I mean, Purdue's a basketball school in, in Indiana. You know, Indiana. You know, he's doing it up in Wisconsin, which isn't the easiest place in the world to recruit young athletes to go play in Madison, Wisconsin. So, uh, you know, Bo Ryan uh, definitely, uh, you know, a guy that we definitely want to beat all the time and have some disdain for at times, but someone definitely who should be respected. And he's going to send, you know, possibly three players to the NBA off of this team, uh, Nigel Hayes, and Sam Decker, I mean, and you talk about this, this is the kind of development you want to see. Sam Decker was, uh, I believe, Mr. Basketball Iowa. So you, we know that he, um, you know, came in with a, uh, a a lot of hype, but really didn't show it the first couple of years. But now you see it all come to fruition. This guy has been outstanding in the tournament. I mean, you know, inside, outside. And he's playing the loosest in a system where you're not supposed to play that way, but Bo Ryan is allowing him to showcase his talent. And that's what you see from great coaches. You know, Sam Decker would be playing a whole different style somewhere else, but he plays within that system but still allows his game to show, and it's phenomenal to see. Um, you know, and like you said, hats off. We're, we're behind you, Wisconsin Big Ten brothers. Um, but, you know, I, I really am disgusted what's going on with these Ohio State Buckeyes, and I'm tired of the apologists trying to say, well, Thad Modest won 20 games this season. You know, if you roll up eight teams that ain't made it to the Final Four, I mean, eight, you roll up on eight teams. You roll up eight wins a season on teams that won't even sniff the tournament. That's not like impressive to me. Win a championship. That's the goal. That's that is the definition of good coaching to me. We see Bo Ryan finally getting there to the pinnacle. He's in the championship. Izzo, Coach K, that model will not be mentioned in the names with these guys until he can put together it at all lengths. I mean, you got to start in the off season getting these players to develop their game. And until that happens, I think this guy should be bowing out as the coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes and letting us move in a new direction. Listen, I'm not going to go quite as far as that, but, you know, I mean, they said he's got some things that are going good for him as well. You know, I mean, this program hasn't always been the the thing of consistency uh, between the heirs and uh, Jim O'Brien years and, and, you know, there, there's been some down years and for him to have had this team in one big 10 championships and made it to final fours and championship game, you know, a lot of the same stuff could be said for Jim Beheim back in the day before he won a title. Um, so, you know, yeah, I'd love to be in there all the time, but I'm also realistic that it can happen. But going back to the biggest problem, there needs to be a better job of developing talent. And that's something that I I hope that he recognizes and brings the right guys in around him to get that job done. But I would love Shaka Smart, too. And and I would not be sad if that motto was gone for Greg Marshall or, or something like that. But, uh, you know, at the same time, I can't take away what he has accomplished, which is, you know, quite a bit considering uh, other Ohio State men's head coaches. Yes. Uh, 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 I'm not even going to go through it. I'm just going to say a couple schools' names. Sienna, Dayton. These guys haven't sniffed the second weekend of the tournament in a long time. Um, and I'm just tired of it. I'm frustrated with it. I'm disgusted by it, and I don't understand it. I really don't understand it. 
you you and you have the opportunity. You know, basketball, you're constantly trying to get better and limit your mistakes. And I mean, I see us the, the Ohio State basketball team making more mistakes. You know, as they go on during season, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So, as always, go Bucks. Uh, we talk about some some things here that actually are good. You want to talk about the Masters now, or you want to? Anyone to go first? We talk about you know, no, just, just uh, one last one last thing on on that sort of stuff. Uh, you know, can't discount the job that Duke has done and Coach K. Uh, you know, he, he was a little late to the party recruiting the one and dones, and you know, was a little hesitant to do that. But now he he's got a nice mix of guys that come in and are one and dones like Okafor, Tyus Jones, and, and then also some guys that that stick around. Um, so uh, the Duke program, you know, ten. 10 titles, I believe, uh, or 10 title games. Uh, that's, that's pretty good stuff. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a great game. And that's, that's the thing I'm looking forward to is the matchup of Kaminsky versus Okafor and, uh, Deckard versus, uh, Winston justice. And, you know, those, those are going to be the good matchups and Bo Ryan versus coach K working the refs down there in their little hole on the, underneath the court <laughs> for some reason, it's raised way up like it is. And, uh, Williams Arena in Minnesota, but uh, anyways, uh, your prediction for the NCAA, your your prediction for the NCAA championship, man. Uh, I just feel like it's a magical year for the for Wisconsin. Uh, it kind of feels like the Michigan State year, the Flintstones won the won the title. So uh, I'm taking the Badgers, and I will take them to win seventy five seventy. Make their yeah, I agree. Late. I. I I agree. I'm on on Wisconsin. Uh, I believe the Badgers will win too, just because I think they're tested. Uh, the Duke Blue Devils, you know, not to say they they the, the Wisconsin Badgers have been here before. They went through it last year. You know, they made it to the Final Four. So they they talked about they wanted to get back. They're now mm-hmm. in a championship game, and I think you know you know I'm big on that. They literally have been through the whole grind, the media stuff, and stuff like that. They, Duke is a very young basketball team outside of Quinn Cook, who I think you know. They put too much on him, and I think that's going to be the problem. They got the one senior, uh, and they got nobody coming off that bench besides Plumley with size. Um, even though I do love the job, I can't think of the big man. Yeah, I mean, But they don't have a lot of size coming off of that bench. They have a short eight-man rotation, and uh, I think they're going to. I think they're going to be exposed. I think you know, Wisconsin's going to run away with this one. Um, you know, Okafor can't won't be able to save them. And something that I've seen in the tournament, he's not very good at passing the ball like double teams. If you bring that man from the top, you can't double team. You know, with a guard coming in and giving him a, a height advantage on the inside. You know, and I think Wisconsin. We know. We know one thing. The Coach K's team is going to be prepared, but you know damn well, Bo Ryan. And having, having the other advantage that Wisconsin has, they lost to Duke already early this season. And uh, it was early in the season, and that prepares them as well for this matchup again. I like Wisconsin. Well, I, 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 I like Wisconsin to win. I'll give, a, I'll give a similar score. I like Wisconsin by eight points, so I'll say 70 to 62. You talked about that game that they've already played and how that can work for Wisconsin, uh, knowing what to expect with Duke. Well, I think it can work just as badly for Duke, uh, having played Wisconsin. Because at the time they played them, 
you know, they had a, they're going to have a, no matter how much Coach K drills into their head, they're a different team, they're a different team, they're a different team. They played them once. So they, and they played them when Decker had a really bad sprained ankle and Koning wasn't the same player and Trayvon Jackson wasn't playing. And, you know, so th- there's already something in the back of the Duke players had these young guys that Wisconsin's not that good and we beat them by 20. And, and that could really work against them, especially early on until they realize that they're up against a different team that they faced way back in, in November or December. I totally, I totally agree with that, uh, and I think that will definitely be the difference. Um, so uh, enjoy the championship game. It will be quite the contest come Monday night in Indianapolis. Uh we move on and we close out our show this week. Uh, you know, just want to salute to the Ohio State Athletic Program. We saw what Logan Steber and the Ohio State Wrestling Team did as national champions. We know that we have the undisputed first ever college football playoff national champions in football, the Ohio State Buckeyes. But now we add to the hardware with the Ohio State Pistol Team with a national championship and also the ladies of the Ohio State Synchronized Swimming Team. And uh, we just want to salute them and say, great job done as student-athletes. And the the other thing that that all does for the Ohio State program in general, uh, Capital One has a, a ranking system of the athletic programs in the country, uh, as well as the scholastic programs within the country. And the Ohio State's men's programs uh, their student-athletes are number one in the country right now, which uh, is going to be a very large prize from Capital One going towards scholarships. Uh, so uh, great, great job by the athletic program. And, uh, you know, for as much as we uh, dig in on Gene Smith sometimes, you got to salute Gene Smith for uh, in a very proud pro- uh, athletics program at the university. All right, well, this has been Show 37, Tough Love. We've shown the Browns some tough love because we just don't understand sometimes what's going on out there. These people, you know, repeat the same cycle, even though they weren't here. Um, you know, we're happy about the Columbus Blue Jackets streak, uh, celebrated WrestleMania, and, of course, enjoying this Cavs run to the championship. Bad uh, Marta got some tough love. Yeah, Pat Mata gets a lot of tough love as well, as, as well with the Ohio State basketball <laughs> team. Uh, go ahead and sign off. <laughs> That's it, guys. Thanks a lot for listening. Uh, take care of one of the, one. Take care of one another. Uh, and we'll talk to you soon. Uh, of course, unless they're wearing a Michigan jacket. Yeah, we thank you for listening. We appreciate every tweet, every favorite, every comment, anyone and everyone who listens to this podcast. Please share, like, and follow. Uh, email, tweet us. You know, you can share your thoughts and uh, agree, disagree. You know, the discussion of our teams fuels our passion. The discussions of our teams, our favorite teams, is our passion and fuels our fandom. You know, we say a special salute to the medical professionals out there, doctors, nurses, caregivers, anybody that eases the pain of those in pain. We say a special prayer to all the troops, those that have returned, our veterans, and those that might be missing in action or behind enemy lines. This is with an Ohio bias. As always, go Browns, go Cavs. Roll, tribe, baseball is back. MMA, hell yeah, wrestling is real. As always, go TBJ, fight to the end. As always, go Bucks, undisputed national champions, OH. 
I'm done for. I, we we got to pick it up once it's today. So we'll do some masters. That was a man. great rant. That was a great rant. I'm tired of it. I'm tired I, I, of you guys. I, 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 I had to get myself arm legs for that. And I was about I was about to go I was about to go down the rabbit hole on Coach K too because got to about this guy. that guy's a fucking he's a fucking fraud. Because I knew it was going to upset you, but this shit now he wants to go to one and done after all that preaching of the years of this is Duke basketball. We do shit a different way. That guy's fucking. Hey, man. he's adjusted. That's the way I look. I know he's adjusted, you know? but you can't have all that rhetoric. People forget all that rhetoric about we do. No, no, no. You can dislike something, yes, but you can dislike something, but still do the thing that makes the most sense for your benefit. You know, you don't have to like program was going in the toilet. I agree. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You can point the point point that you make. Actually, actually, I should have brought it together like this. That's what Fat Mata needs to do. He needs to take a page out of Coach K's book, actually, and go back. He needs to do the reverse of Coach K a little bit. He needs to try to develop like players. Find we have a mix. Yes, he needs a mix. You're right. Absolutely. If we had all the kids that played across the country, we're talking about Trice, you're talking about um, Aaron White, you know, we would it all, it, it just if we had the kids from Ohio that were the best basketball players playing at Ohio yeah. State, it's better for us. So, I mean, sometimes you got to slow down to speed up, and I think that Monica could learn a lot. So. Yeah, you know, but then again, you, you, we go to the development, he had seniors, and he's had seniors that have underperformed in their senior year. So, you know, whether that's Aaron Kraft or – even a William Buford to an extent. Uh, you know, the only one that really shined in his senior season was Evan Turner, and uh, he took us uh, for a good little ride. All right, man. Well, I'll put it together, and uh, I'm going to send Pete, and I'll send you an email about when we can get with him. So, Okay, sounds good. Uh, let me know. Okay. All right, good stuff, man. Bye.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.